When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. So, Ian, the Broncos are getting ready to play the New York Jets. It will be their home opener. And as you mentioned to me before we started recording, it is the first time that Mile High will be full since December 29th, 2019 against the Raiders when the Broncos beat the Raiders 16-15. to So the first time there will be a full house at Mile High Stadium in a year and a half. That is an incredible stat and it means one very important thing the Broncos home opener is going to be on fire and then you add in the way Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos are playing after these first two games they're coming in with some confidence they they feel great about the way they're playing then you add this into the equation as I mentioned in my preview story on playcolorado.com that building is going to be raucous and they finally have something to be raucous about. There's going to finally be some Rocky mountain thunder where they actually have an excuse to do it. And it's because of the way the Broncos are playing right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting, right? We've talked about this the last two weeks, the excitement around this team and how, I, I mentioned Von Miller and his smile and how much fun it's been. And the, the same thing in week two when they when they essentially came out and they struggled to start the game against the Jags and then sort of just turned it on and ran away from them. There is a feeling amongst, I think, everybody in Broncos country, even if you're apprehensive because you know that the Giants and the Jags are not great teams and the Jets are also not great teams, they are – there, it, this the excitement is going to carry over, and everybody who shows up at Mile High Stadium, and I'm jealous I won't be there because it's hard to you know get there from the Chicagoland area for a Sunday and then get back for a Monday uh, work day. Everybody's going to be stoked, and it, it is. It's going to be on fire. It's going to be. I believe the kids say lit. Is lit the word they they used? To, I think they used to say lit, and then as adults we've destroyed it for them, and I'm fine with that. 
I think it was lit when we were kids. So that's why we still think the kids are saying it because we think the kids do what we did when we were younger. And when they don't, we rail on them for it. Yeah. How come they wouldn't do what we would do? We were amazing as children, right? As I recall. Why is their music garbage? Our music was great. Yeah. Our music was amazing. Just like our parents' music was garbage. Actually, that's not true. Our parents had good music, no, too. Our, our parents had some great music yeah, like in the 60s I, I and mean, the 70s. Seriously, the, the music was good in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s. The 80s were okay. There's some good stuff. See, the, I love 80s music. I, I listen to the 80s. There is I, good nostalgia. Yeah. There's good stuff from the 80s, It's but it's not. The like enti- take on me? How can uh, you not like take on me? I, I look, aha, aha, take on me. It's a wonderful song. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think there, the, the number of bad songs in the '80s is equal to the number of good songs. Whereas in the '60s and '70s, it's, it's you've got more good stuff than bad stuff. Although, who's really counting that, right? Isn't it all uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder and whatnot? Then the '90s was amazing. The '90s had such a plethora of different genres and you could you could be listening to nirvana uh, on one hand and then turn around and, and turn on a little tupac and you'd be satisfied on both sides and even a little bit of pop music a little nkotb if you're feeling it or if you want to get even closer to the 2000s you could get a little in sync going I, I mean you could go all kinds of directions and i wasn't much of a, a boy band guy myself but i just i love that there was the the breadth of of musical how did we get here how did, how did we get here? Well, quick tangent on that. This is how I feel old. Cool 105 no longer plays 50s music. It now plays the music from when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, I, I If you don't live in the, the Colorado area and you don't know what Cool 105 is, that's the radio station that my parents would turn on when we were driving to like Breckenridge or something because they wanted to listen to the music that they listened to when they were kids. And now... I guess it plays the music that we listened to when we were kids. I didn't know that. I haven't uh, turned on Cool 105 in a long time. I find another quick, another quick yeah, music. Let's keep going, yeah. 1035 The Fox now plays what you mentioned, grunge music. Yeah, grunge. Yeah, I was just going to say the, the the radio stations that played classic rock, they still play that classic rock. They but do, then they've, but now it has grunge music. You're listening, and all of a sudden Pearl Jam comes on, and you're going, wait a minute, I'm not – I'm not that old, am I? And then you realize... WTF. Yeah, you realize you are that old and you just have to learn to deal with it. Anyway, learning to deal with it. Let's talk about learning to deal with some things because there is some other stuff we have to talk about. The excitement around Broncos country and Mile High is going to be rocking and all that good stuff is wonderful. But there is some news that we have to touch on that's that's not great and is going to affect the defense in... Uh, a pretty big way, at least for the next few weeks and I, and also for the rest of the season. The the first one's the obvious one. Uh, again, Bradley Chubb is out. Uh, ankle injury. He's going to have it scoped. Sounds like a bone spur. Um, yeah, seven bone spurs removed. Which brings up the point, they were resting him. Did they not diagnose that it was bone spurs when they were resting him and they thought that rest was going to remove the bone spur? I mean, there's been questions about how the Broncos do medical stuff for years go back to Al Wilson I I mean really like yeah are we still you, doing this I I mean I don't understand it and then why did they throw him out against the Jaguars it, it just it, it makes no sense to me I and it's not Bradley Chubb's fault because if he's given the chance to play, he wants to play. He wants to help his team out. He wants to be on the field. But at some point, what the f is going on with the Broncos' medical team? That's the and that is the real question here. And and you're right. There's no no point in blaming Bradley Chubb if he's cleared to play by the Broncos and their medical staff. Then he's got to believe in his heart that he's cleared to play and he's going to be fine. And then he goes out and he gets injured again, and it's, uh, I mean, bone spurs to me, you're right. That should have been something that they diagnosed two months ago, three months ago. I, I'm not sure how that works, that they missed that. And you bring up a, a, an even better point here. If you were resting him against the Giants, why weren't you resting him against the Jags? Why weren't you resting him through the first three weeks of the season when you knew you were playing three opponents that you didn't necessarily have to have? 
Bradley Chubb on the field for. And I don't like that you picked a guy and it was a top five pick in the first round and you want him on the field. I get all that stuff and I don't like that this is what's happened to him. But you've put a a, a commodity that is valuable at risk and I can't figure out why. I think that's the real issue. No one can figure out why he was on the field if he was that much at risk to get injured because it sounds like that's what it was. He was that much at risk to get injured. So all the fun and excitement, right? We went, we went, woo, and now we're just gonna, you know, douse all of that because we're we have questions. We got and they're legitimate questions that are worth asking when it comes to Bradley Chubb because it seems to be what is happening with him throughout his entire career. And the other injury news is Josie Jewell has a pec injury. He's gonna be out the rest of the year, which I think eventually is going to put stress on the defense because he was the signal caller on defense. He was the one that was getting the plays from Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and then relaying them to the rest of the defense. Now they're going to have to have someone step up. Is it Justin Spernod? Is it uh, Baron Browning? Is Baron Browning going to try to do both, help middle linebacker and edge with Chubb out? So there's some interesting dynamics in place now and i we still don't know how long chubb is going to be out he hasn't been placed on ir yet but i think it's going to probably be short-term ir because if it's long term he's going to be not till yeah six weeks yeah something like that so I, i the good news is vic fangio has the pieces around edge and middle linebacker to make up for it but you're starting to see the injury bug pop up now because you already had Ronald Darby and Jerry Judy on short-term IR for a hamstring and an ankle, respectively. Graham Glasgow is week-to-week with a sickness. And now you're out Josie Jewell and Bradley Chubb. Yeah, I mean, and if Graham Glasgow is down with the sickness... Oh, I see what you did Thank there. you, appreciate it. Oh, to 90s music. Again. I mean, you gotta, you gotta come back. It's always gotta be full circle, you know? Uh, it, Would you say that it's disturbed. <laughs> there it is. There, see how we did that? Look at us. Look, who'd have thought? Not me. Not me. No, but you're right. These these injuries are they're a factor for every team, though, as well. And that's the other thing that plays into it. And last season, the one thing you can say about the defense is they were able to weather the storm of injuries, and they could. I don't want to say handle it because they they were not a very good football team last year, but the defense was not the issue. So I feel like Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel, who uh, are very good at kind of working these things out, will will find a way to fill the the you know fill the void, if you will, of missing out on Chubb and missing out on Jewel. I, th- that's my belief. A Jewel Chubb. Yeah, it's it's a it's a missing Jewel Chubb, and that's a bit of a problem. I, I feel bad for jewel, but I also want to say, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. I don't think it's, it's the fault of him being on special teams either. That's just a sort no. of a freak injury. And I know that there was some complaining about why is a starter playing on special teams? Well, linebackers have, have a tendency. Yeah. Special, <laughs> have you watched the Broncos special teams? Need all the help I mean, they can get. I, they need. Yeah, exactly. That might've been their best special teams play as well. As I recall, it was, it was a pretty good play. And then all of a sudden he was gone. So uh, and then look what happened. Yeah, just a freak, just a freak accident, and hopefully he can you know get back next year and and still because I think he was going to have a good season. I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but based off of the first couple of games and what happened in in preseason and whatnot, I thought he was going to play well this year. And so I guess we just we get to wait and see what happens next year. Um, what else? What else we want to talk about? I I think there's an interesting topic to be uh, spoken about here with the Broncos that. I'm not sure enough people are really getting at, and that's Vic Fangio and the job that he's done. I totally agree with that. I, I, I never imagined him to be in the same breath of riverboat Ron Rivera. Yeah, fourth and Fangio. Uh, yeah, fourth and Fangio is now a riverboat gambler. Apparently, I like it. I, I think the thing that is is fascinating about Fangio is we've talked about him being bad at time management being bad in certain situations like situational football was kind of his detriment the last couple of seasons if, if you really his want to look into it it was his bugaboo i like that word it's a good bugaboo there it hasn't been this year and it's again it's two games bad opponents 
We're going to take everything with a, a bit of a grain of salt here. But also, he seems to get it. He's starting to get it. I don't. I haven't seen the same, like, why didn't he call timeout here? I guess he hasn't been in a situation where he's needed to. Uh, you know, why did he call? You know, why, why are these be, these plays being called? We haven't seen any of that yet. I, that doesn't mean it won't raise its ugly head at some point. And obviously, coaches are prone to mistakes just like players. But I, I can't think of an instance where he's made a call this year where I've gone, that's terrible. Why did they do that? And I love the I love the gambling. I love the fourth and Fangio stuff. Let's do it. You know, why not? This is a team that has nothing to lose. So they're going to play the game like they have nothing to lose. And that's what they should do. And then it turns out maybe they win some games. I'm I'm cool with that. I'm I'm totally fine with that. I told you before we started recording that I was going to ask you a question about that. Oh, here we go. How much of that is tied to Vic Fangio finally having a quarterback he can trust? Oh, a lot of it. I, it. Here's here's the best part. When you have a head coach and a quarterback who seem to be in sync and are are capable of working together, then the confidence that the head coach has in the quarterback leaks out onto the field in ways that allow for the coach to make those kinds of decisions. I'll I'll point to an instance that took place on Monday night football when the Kansas city chiefs were playing the Baltimore Ravens and you had Sunday night. Was that the Sunday night game? It was the Sunday night game. You know what? That's okay. I'm, I'm old and tired, but Sunday night you have, you have Harbaugh come out, right? And, and John Harbaugh is, is not necessarily a riverboat gambler. At least I don't think he is, but he's, he's a smart play caller. But he looked at his quarterback, he looked at Lamar Jackson, and he said on fourth and one with a chance to ice the game, you want to go for it? And he said, yeah. And he said, let's do it. Could you imagine Fangio doing that with Drew Locke last season? Because I can't. No. Not, and that is not a shot at Drew Locke. But it is, a, it is a statement about his confidence in his quarterback because he absolutely would have done that with Teddy Bridgewater this year. And I believe that with all of my heart that that's what he would have done. And I think that's one of the reasons that there's so much excitement around this team is because for the people who are doubtful about Teddy Bridgewater, I think they're even seeing now why they went with him. On offense, you're seeing a recipe for winning football because the defense is going to be there. Now that the offense is actually scoring more than 17 points every week, it's allowing the defense to have some flexibility, some breathing room, or they don't have to be perfect. And it's entirely because of the quarterback. And I, I, I'm excited to see what Teddy Bridgewater continues to do. I mean, when you have the stat line that he has had through two games, Teddy Bridgewater has thrown for 592 yards, four touchdowns, and no picks. On top of that, he has a 77.1 completion percentage. Patrick Smythe tweeted out on Monday, Bridgewater is the fourth player in NFL history to open a season with two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 75% or more completion percentage, a minimum of 12 attempts in each of the first two games. Bridgewater joins Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and I think the the best name on this list is Jeff George. (laughs) So Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Jeff George. And, And what? If, and for those young folks out there, you youngins who are listening that have no idea who Jeff George is, just Google it. Google it. Just search it up. Jeff George. It's, a, it's two first names. Jeff George. Uh, maybe a top three arm talent in the history of the NFL, strength-wise. And that and is about, 500 about, <laughs> about it. That's where it stopped. He could throw hard. So there, there's a, this old line, I'm sure – Older people like us know it. All uniform, no helmet. Yeah. That is the definition of Jeff George. Yeah, he uh, he he definitely was no helmet. There's there's no doubt about that. But man, if you wanted to see a guy throw a ball really really hard, you could watch him do that, or you could just watch John Elway. I would have been fine with that as well. And he was not all uniform and no helmet. So that's a great that's a great I- stat on Teddy. So yeah. And there's actually another stat that ties into my key to the game. No quarterback in the NFL has attempted more throws over 20 yards this season 
than Teddy Bridgewater. Who knew Teddy Bridgewater was a gunslinger? Teddy's got his, you know, he's not Teddy two gloves. He's Teddy two guns. Oh my goodness. That is, uh, yeah, that's, I I like that stat. I, I'm not sure that's sustainable, but when you look at what he has done, he's been steady. He's been Teddy. He's been two gloves and that has worked well in giving the Broncos sort of that offensive presence that they haven't had for years now. And to throw in the fact that he's also steady Teddy two guns and is and is just launching the ball. And I'm not sure how successful he's been, but 75% completion percentage seems good to me. Uh, yeah, I'm in. Count me in on all of that. That's all fantastic and wonderful. I will say that I think it is sustainable as long as the Broncos are effective running the football as they have been the first two weeks of the season. The Broncos are fifth in the NFL right now in 100 at a, with 130.5 yards rushing per game. So that I think is what's allowed Teddy Bridgewater to be the gunslinger. His defenses are as Vic Fangio said going to extreme measures to stop the run and it's not working. And that opens up Teddy Bridgewater to utilize these offense these weapons that he has and that is my key to the game is complementary offense. I I mean I mentioned the stat it's the play action if they if they can continue to run the football this effectively with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams you're going to win football games because if they can't stop the run they're going to load the box and that's going to open up the field for Teddy Bridgewater to use Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler, Albert Akwueg Bunam I'd like to see them utilize Javante Williams a little bit more out of the backfield as a receiver because he has that ability. But that's my key to the game because you're going against a defense that is still really good. The Giants offense is horrible, but the Robert Sala led defense is still really good and it could pose some problems for the Broncos offense. So they're going to have to continue to run the football and use play action for Teddy Bridgewater. If they can get that complimentary offense, they should win this game and should ties into your key to the game. But it's in quote marks. They're a 10 and a half point favorite right now. I would have never thought that the Broncos are going to be a double digit favorite this year when the season started. But here we are. Here we are. And that's what makes me nervous. And so my key to the game here, and you're right, you said it uh, just a second ago. uh, Don't mess it up. This is a trap game, and I I am shocked, shocked, I say, that we are sitting here talking about the Broncos potentially playing in a trap game. But after this stretch of three games that we've talked about, the, you know, the the win against the Giants to start the season, the, the, you know, East Coast time zone win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which are a bad team right now, and now you've got the New York Jets coming to town, and you have the opportunity to go 3-0, which is great. The Jets are a team they can overlook. Rookie quarterback, bad offense, lots of issues on the offensive line. You're not quite sure what the Jets are other than a bad team. You brought up uh, the defense for the Jets and how they could still be good, and so there's got to be a commitment by the offense to committing to the run and playing that balanced attack offense. I'm, I'm all in on all that. But this is a game that a lesser team will overlook. This is a game where uh, a team that's not as good is going to look to that next stretch of games, right? You're going to go past game three here, and you're going to start looking to the Steelers and the Ravens and the Raiders of the world because you know that those are teams that are going to give you more of a challenge. Those are teams that are going to be more difficult uh, to face because they're just better teams. And so you have a tendency, just human nature, you have a tendency to kind of go, we've got this. I'm more concerned about that. And the one thing I always think about when I think about trap games, and it's funny because I'm thinking about the Broncos versus the Jets again here. I think back to that 1998 season when they were on their second shot at, uh, you know, their first shot at back-to-back, right? It's their second AFC championship game in a row. And they're playing the Jets in a game that was uh, windy. It was a tough game. Like it was, it was, it was really difficult conditions, but I'll never forget you watch the clips of the Broncos 
during pregame warmups. And if you ever watch like the uh, America's game on NFL network and they talk about those things or any of that stuff, the Minnesota Vikings and Atlanta Falcons played each other in the NFC championship game before the AFC championship game, that NFC championship game was on the jumbotron and Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak were standing there when the game ended on a missed field goal by uh, Morton and Morton Anderson. Which one was it? Gary Anderson, Bobby Anderson. Who cares? I think it was Morton. I think it was Morton Anderson. It doesn't really matter. The Minnesota kicker missed it and it was Atlanta. And what did Mike Shanahan in, uh, not to derail you, but I think that's a theme for Vikings kickers. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be too mean, but you guys miss a lot of kicks. Uh, <laughs> but the clip of Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak is telling, they immediately looked at each other and said, so it's the Falcons then. All right, we're going to play the Falcons. We are going to play the Falcons. And I like that confidence, but the Denver Broncos came out in that game flat. And yeah, the conditions were bad, but Terrell Davis wasn't Terrell Davis in that game for a while. And John Elway struggled in the wind. And it was a, it was one of those games where they were actually losing at halftime. I, th- you should not see that in this upcoming game, but it proves that any team can overlook any other team. And so they have to be able to buckle down here. They've got to be able to make sure that they don't look past the New York Jets because the last thing you want is to lose your home opener in front of a packed house in Denver because you were too busy thinking about your next opponent and the opponent after that because you thought you didn't have to worry about a bad New York Jets team with a rookie quarterback who could potentially find it in his third game in the season out of nowhere. So you've got to be willing to commit to not overlooking them. I, I don't think they will. I don't think a team that's been as bad as the Broncos have been over the last few years have the luxury of overlooking teams. So I, I have a feeling they won't. But it, to me, that's 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 paramount to winning. And you mentioned the rookie quarterback. Through his first two starts, Zach Wilson has thrown five interceptions and has been sacked ten times. And he hasn't faced a defense as good as Denver, and he's going into an environment that is going to be extremely loud on Sunday afternoon. So the defense should be able to make plays to – make life miserable for the rookie quarterback, Von Miller, even without Bradley Chubb. You still have Malik Reed, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, Mike Purcell. And I actually think the defense is going to get a defensive touchdown for the first time since 2019 against the Houston Texans. I've been asking for that. So I, I do think that the defense is going to step up, and I think you're going to continue to see complimentary football. And to give you an idea, I mentioned the the 10.5-point spread that the Broncos are currently favored over the Jets. It opened as 5.5. And And to give you – and you mentioned looking ahead. The game after the Jets is against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson and Baltimore come into mile high after this game against the Jets. And I don't want to get too far ahead as I tweeted out from – with a play Colorado Twitter account, Colorado underscore play. The Broncos are now only a one and a half point underdog. The line opened at plus three. So you can see the book starting to give some respect to the Broncos, but they got to take care of business on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Without question. All right. That being said, uh, let's talk about some players that we're going to be paying attention to. And and with some of those injuries uh, that might influence some of our decisions. Let's start on offense, though, because I feel like I wanted to start on offense. I don't know. It's just the side of the football I decided to pick. Who are you watching on on offense? Cortland Sutton. I want to have. I want to see him have another strong game because if he does, that means the Broncos' offense is doing what I just talked about, playing complimentary football, and to see that confidence in him to, to have nine catches for 159 yards, both career highs. I want to see him build on it because coming back from a, an ACL injury, like he has to get that confidence. He, he knows that he can do it now go out and do it again. Because if it, like I just said, if it, if he does, that means the offense is rolling. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to go with uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon together, the running attack. Uh, I I think you're absolutely right in the fact that you need those two guys to kind of be that complementary offensive balance that Teddy Bridgewater needs to be able to run play action, right? 
They're more successful in play action. You need to be able to hold the defense up towards the line. You don't want them, you know, being able to just drop back everybody because you know that you know they know you can't run the football. So it would be nice to see them actually be a little bit more dominant in this game. And and you know, you said that they are a top five rushing team so far this year. A big part of that is a, a big 70 yard rip that you got from Melvin Gordon in game one. But at the same time, can they be a little bit more methodical in their in their run game? Can they pick up four or five yards of carry and just sort of have one of those long drives where you don't see Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball all that much because they're picking up, you know, four yards here and eight yards there and six yards. And then, you know, one of those types of uh, drives that to me is, is a recipe for success that you would like to start seeing more of, especially when you start to get to some of these teams that are going to be a challenge for the Broncos are going to have, uh, they're going to have good records. They're going to be teams that are playoff teams and it's not going to be the, the giants and jets and Jags of the world. Oh my. So it's important that, that they sort of, get the run game together and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon together, a one, two punch. I really like it. I think they've done a good job with it. And I, and I hope that they can sort of show out uh, against the jets here because that would, that would mean that they're going to win that game pretty handily as well. Uh, I'll throw in, I'll throw in another group. Sure. Cause you mentioned the running game, the Broncos interior offensive line is going to have to step up. And Joe Mahoney had this as he, as his key to the game which you can read at milehighreport.com, they're going to have to contain Quinn and Williams. And if the Broncos are able to do that, that's going to lead them to have success running the football and then getting it to Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I, you know what? I almost went with the interior offensive line, but I thought they're not as much fun to watch and I don't understand enough of it to really <laughs> – I don't get it. We'll let, we'll let Joe Mahoney watch them because I – I got nothing here, so uh, we'll go with that one. Offense, you got or defense? I'm going to go Malik Reed. Since Bradley Chubb is now out, he has another chance to step up and, and prove that he wasn't a flash in the pan, so to speak. Not that he was, but this is his chance to step up and, and prove his worth to the defense and to the team, and I, I think he will, but he's going to be someone that I keep an eye on. Yeah, I like that. Um, I was actually going to go with one that might be a surprise. I'm thinking Justin Simmons on this. One thing that has sort of stood out to me in the first two games is not necessarily that Justin Simmons has played bad because I don't think that he has, but I he hasn't been that impact player that we all hoped he would be. And I, I know that it's just the first two games and maybe he hasn't had the opportunity, but I'd like to see him make some plays. I'd like to see that part of the defense continue to be uh, a difficult part for other teams to deal with. And Justin Simmons is the leader of that defense. We've talked about this. We talked about it all last year. He became the leader of that defense and that's got to continue and hasn't necessarily been uh, his leadership on the field as far as his, his play so much as he's a good leader in general this season. I'd like to see some stuff that he does this year with his play. I'd like to see a big play out of him. I want to see maybe an interception, some, some pass defense. Maybe he gets in on a, on a, on a big hit behind the, behind the line of scrimmage on a blitz or something like that. But Justin Simmons needs to impose his will a little bit here, especially with two starters down now you've got to see guys like that step up and maybe do some things that they aren't normally going to do. So for me, it's it's kind of like, well, I'd like to see him do something anyway. So let's watch Justin Simmons and see what he does because that would be important in my opinion. The other – I'll throw this out because we don't really talk about it as a key to the game, but special teams. I, it, it has to be better. It has to improve – Tom McMahon has to get this unit to be effective, to not potentially have games swing like they potentially could have done, like we talked about on Sunday after the win over the Jaguars. So just show that they're capable. Just do, just do something. Do something good for once. We'd love it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. The special teams has been bad. I, I have no faith that it's going to get better until um, – and, and until McMahon is gone, I, I mean, I kind of got blowed up a little bit by the community because I talked about uh, the Broncos being a complete team in my uh, post game write up. Um, 
Obviously, I was ignoring special teams because it, I didn't like it because I didn't mention them in the article. So clearly, when I said complete, I was pretending we didn't have special teams. It was just easier to deal with. The Broncos don't have a special teams team, so I'll just pretend I don't have to talk about them. I think that's the best way to do it. I think uh, we, were, we need to go back to calling it teams. Just teams. We gave them a chance, right? We gave them two games to earn the special. They didn't earn it. I think you're right. We'll go back to calling them teams. Speaking of calling them teams, do you got a score prediction? I don't know how those go together, but I figured I'd just ask. I'm going to go 34-10 Broncos. Wow. big! That's a big blowout. And the reason that I think they get the, the over the 30 mark is because of that defensive touchdown. I like that. I'm, I'm with you on that to a point. I'm actually a little bit lower on that. I'm, I'm at 27 and uh, I'm even lower on the, on the defense. I'm going to go 27, nine, um, 27, nine, I think three field goals for the jets, but I don't think they score a touchdown. Uh, and I, I, I think you might still see a defensive touchdown, but I get the impression that this is a game that's going to take them a little while to sort of get into. So it'll take them a little longer to score some points. So I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, 27 to nine. And that's, I like that those numbers go together. You know, nine times three is 27, all that good stuff. But Broncos, 27 to nine on that one. So. I also think that if the Broncos win the toss, they're going to defer and they're going to get that building rocking and more than likely have Zach Wilson start from the north end zone. And then if they can force a three and out, I think you're going to see the Broncos march down the field and get a touchdown on the opening drive. That would work for me. All right, let's let's uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with our uh, look at the AFC West games coming up and our whip around the league. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Adam, before we get into the AFC West rip around and the preview of the other games across week three of the NFL, I wanted to bring up this BetMGM 16-team NFL Moneyline Parlay that was all the talk of gambling Twitter on Monday because it was announced that a BetMGM better placed a $25 16-team NFL money parlay where 15 of the 16 legs had hit and the potential payout was $726,959. That's a lot of money. But, and I've been thinking about this for the last day, you're putting this 16-leg parlay together. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have these 15 teams that you think are going to hit, and the 15 the 15 legs that hit were Washington, Chicago, Cleveland, the Rams, Bills, Patriots, 49ers, Raiders, Panthers, Broncos, Cardinals, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Titans, Ravens. Okay. So yeah. the last game was the Monday night game. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. I heard all about it. And he went with the Lions. Yeah, I, I don't... keep thinking how you're building a 16 leg parlay. Like you got to and the end you of that. Trust the Lions. And here's the thing that I, I think is funny, and we've we've talked about this. I have gotten into throwing out like dollar parlay bets, where I'll I'll go into my account and I'll I do it with baseball more than football, but I'll like just sort of throw something crazy together, and I'll throw a dollar on it, and then the payout will be something like a hundred bucks. Like you bet a dollar, you win a hundred. That's a great, that's a great fun thing to be able to talk about. And I know it will rarely happen, but when I do hit one, I'll go to Sizzler. It'll be fun, right? So I kind of get the idea that this guy took twenty five dollars, 
and he built his 16. It was a free bet. Free so bet. So he couldn't cash it out. So, so there were, no the, choice, the right? Way, because there is a lot of talk about well, how do you hedge it? Well, it was a free bet. So <laughs> it didn't matter. Seven hundred thousand dollars to hedge the lions. I mean, it's really so, not going to happen. I, I guess my question ends up becoming like, as you're going through and you're building all that, I imagine you've done a little research. I imagine you've you've had to have been paying attention. Or maybe you're just incredibly lucky. I, I don't know. But when you get to that Monday night game, how much of a difference is the payout for a twenty-five dollar bet when you pick the Packers? Is it five hundred thousand dollars if you win? Is it four hundred? Is it three hundred? Is it two hundred? Like, like what? What would the outcome I would still have been? Sure, a guess that it would be over half a million. I was going to say, so it's, it's got. I mean, the odds are astronomical. It's, it's a sixteen-team parlay. 16 par- so, so, to give those listening, every single leg of a parlay has to hit. That's what makes them so risky. They're fun to build, but the fact that they don't ever hit makes me. I, I wish. That sports books, if when they tweet that stuff out, that they would also include how often they don't. Yeah, because it, it starts I, to get into a responsible gambling thing at that point when you're trying to convince people to build these massive parlays when the odds are so astronomical of them hitting. Yeah, my my whole issue with with this one in particular, though, because you're absolutely right, parlays are are not something that you can you're you're not going to live your life off of parlays that's it's craziness but i i i saw that and i just couldn't help my my immediate reaction was how big of a drop off was it if he had picked the packers because it couldn't have been enough to make it like well i'm going to bet this $25 free $25 bet is so important to me that i have to take the lions that doesn't make any sense to me it, unless he unless this guy needed over seven hundred thousand dollars for something, like it was like like that's the only thing I can think. Like he needed that seven hundred thousand, and now this poor guy is is like in dire straits, right? He is he's hungry like the wolf at this point because he's got no money to to pay for anything. So I I, I that has to be what it was, right? That has to be because seriously, like you said, you're probably still looking at over half a mil. Half a mil, I mean, and you take the Packers? To, I mean, take the I Packers. Imagine, I can't imagine that it would drop $200,000 because you picked the Packers. It just is it, crazy I mean, it's to me. It's still a 16th, it's the 16th leg of a 16-leg parlay. I, I mean. It, I can't imagine it's going to drop that far. I, I mean, I, and I don't want to joke about a guy losing. I mean, I, I can only imagine how... I mean, I I, get, I would not I, get I would not have wanted to be, been at his house while he was watching because that would have been a bummer for him. I, I mean, I get upset when like a, a four leg same game parlay doesn't hit. <laughs> I can't imagine what it would be like to have seven hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars on the line. It, Yikes! But anyway, we can get into week three now. All right, we'll talk about week three here. So, uh, AFC. Let's start with the AFC West. It's pretty simple, actually. The Chargers and Chiefs play. Uh, in Kansas City, so Chiefs, Chiefs, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, and- there's some concern about the the rushing defense of the Chiefs, but I, I mean they're in Kansas City. Is it I, that concerning? No, I mean yeah. I I don't think the Chargers can run the ball like the Ravens can, and I I think that you're going to see for whatever reason uh, Steve Spagnolo move Chris Jones outside. It makes no sense to me. I think you'll see them move him back inside. I think that's where he's most effective. Yeah, I I, I noticed that as well. I, I I just don't think that I don't think the Chargers have the firepower, uh, and and the Chargers are uh, somewhat good. I think. I mean, I think they have uh, a a good young quarterback who's going to develop. Everybody's high on Justin Herbert. He he wasn't great uh, last Sunday on, in Week Two, but this is a team that they can build together, and and I I do see some potential there at the same time we're talking about the chiefs so yeah we're, we're still talking about the chiefs there and I, mean, I and i don't think that they have the secondary to slow down tyreek hill no i mean if they're gonna throw chris harris jr on tyreek hill we've seen enough of that yeah been there broncos country been there done that not 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 to to burn chris harris jr tyreek hill has done that enough yeah <laughs> 
I mean, I, I imagine Tyreek Hill probably is singing take on me when he sees uh, Chris Harris Jr. Because he's, he's fine with it. So uh, Dolphins Raiders, let's just let's just move on from that from that uh, musical uh, attempt and we'll just go straight to Dolphins Raiders. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about this game. I, the Dolphins are, are down a Tua, I, I believe they might be. I'm not sure what the, the news is on that. But, well, he has bruised ribs, so yeah. it, it's it's all a matter of pain tolerance at this point. And if he has a flak jacket, yeah. I mean, he'll probably wear one. But I, I don't know. I, the Raiders have been, as much as it pains me to say this, and I think I just threw up in my mouth, they've been impressive the first two weeks. I think they got lucky against the Ravens. I think if we saw the Ravens that played the Chiefs, I think 10 out of 10 times they beat the Raiders. Um, and then against the Steelers, who knows what the Steelers are at this point? So I, I do think the Raiders are going to start three and oh, though. Yeah. I, I imagine the Raiders will probably, I mean, it's, it's a home game for them. Um, I don't think that the dolphin fans, Roomba. yeah. In the, in the, the big black toilet bowl in in Vegas, uh, I, I don't think dolphins fans travel like other fans because dolphins fans are in Miami and Miami's pretty nice. So why do you need to go anywhere else? I suppose is the the concern there. I, I think the Raiders start three and zero. I think that the top of the AFC West at the end of this, this week is the Broncos and Raiders. And everyone is looking at it going, what? Because what else would you do? Um, and the chargers are going to be one and two. And this is a team that everyone thought could potentially be a playoff team. And, and they probably still, and they still could and they, be, and they still could be, but also it's tough to start one and two. And then also believe you're a playoff team. So, uh, it just kind of depends. Like we said, the Broncos get to start with three cupcakes, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, the Chargers did not start with three cupcakes. So, uh, you know, it's all up in the air at this point. It's a very young season. All right, anything else that catches your eye? That's the AFC West. The NFC Championship preview. Oh, I, that's the game yeah. that I am. Falcons-Giants, right? Is that what you were talking about? No, that no. is definitely not what that I was, was talking not about. It. Oh, Eagles-Cowboys probably. I don't even think the delusional fan bases for both of those franchises think that that's going to be the NFC championship preview. Okay. Uh, Seahawks Vikings. Uh, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe very close. Right. So uh, Packers 49ers. Then I feel like I'm getting closer. Like I'm digging my way into it. I, I, well, I mean the Packers 49ers, could be, could be. <laughs> if, that's, Maybe? If, if the Aaron Rodgers from Monday night is the Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Just quick tangent. Sure. Go for it. He made, he made two throws that no quarterback in the NFL can make right now. Not even Patrick Mahomes could make the throws that Aaron Rodgers made the touchdown that he threw. And then the long deep pass to Devonte Adams. Yes. I mean, I, those two, those two passes, are insane. And I think one of the only quarterbacks who could have done that was John Elway. To me, that was John Elway-esque. Those two throws that he completed, I mean... Well, uh, the touchdown pass to Robert Tunyon, they said it on the broadcast, and I thought it was a really good description, and so I'm going to steal it, and I, I think I'm stealing from Chris Collinsworth, and I don't really like that. Um, or no, not, that no, who am I stealing from? I'm, you know who I'm stealing from? I'm working it out here. I'm stealing from Peyton Manning, oh, and so I'm go. okay with that. Peyton Manning said that that ball actually caught Tunyon, not the other way around, which I thought was an amazing thing to say there. It did. It looked like the ball caught him. He didn't catch the ball because it was such a perfectly thrown ball that you, and he, was, he didn't have a choice. He, I mean, he was like triple covered. Yeah, there was like 90 people around him. <laughs> when you get a GOAT to say and that OMG, if you can get Peyton Manning to do that, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, the only thing that I don't like about Aaron Rodgers right now is that ridiculous haircut. I, You know what? I, I love his haircut, and here's why. You get all of the fun jokes and memes and, and everything about it. The one he looks like a, an undercover agent who just got arrested for selling drugs. Uh, he looks he looks like a, a divorced dad who's trying out a new look to at, when he's out at the clubs. He looks <laughs> just looks he looks. He looks like a, a a forty year old retired man who's decided to to buy a Harley. <laughs> so so many bad jokes about his hair, and I and I'm here for it, and I appreciate it, and and I'm I'm all in on those. But 
Aside from that, and I think we know that that's not the game you're talking about. The game you're talking about is it's got to be Buccaneers uh, against the Rams in Correct. Los Angeles. That's that's your NFC Championship preview. And it's actually the first game Tom Brady will ever play in Los Angeles. Wow, that's an interesting stat. I, I didn't know that. I had no idea. And it, it'll be the first one he loses in Los Angeles because I am uh, pretty high on the Rams right now and what Matthew Stafford is doing there. I think that they are able to handle the Buccaneers on the road because the Buccaneers are going to be traveling all the way across the country, and that's hard to do. And so I think I think Los Angeles wins that game. The other game that I'm going to be paying attention to, I mentioned the Steelers, is the Washington football team and the Bills. What Bills team do we see? Is it the one that was against the Steelers where it looked like it regressed? And I didn't watch the game on Sunday, obviously, because I was watching the Broncos and the Jaguars. But from what I'm hearing and what I've seen on social media in particular, the Bills didn't look that great against the Dolphins. They did win 35 nothing, but I think that was more of a case of the Dolphins than it was the Bills. So what, what Bills team, what Josh Allen shows up against a team that has some rest, a defense that I think can get after Josh Allen, I don't know if they have the secondary uh, yeah, you know what? I, I do think it's interesting, You and you brought it up, which Josh Allen will you see? Um, the Josh Allen of 2020 or the Josh Allen of 2019? And they did not play very well. They did not throw the ball well. They did not have a great game against the Dolphins, yet they still won 35 to nothing. I think they beat Washington, though, because the Washington football team, for all of their uh, great defense and everything they're they're down to Ryan Fitzpatrick and they almost lost to a New York Giants team that is pretty bad and so I I have no faith in the Washington football team which I'm sort of fine with Uh, and I think the Bills kind of find themselves they you know they sort of shook off the rust maybe they didn't look as great against the Dolphins but it's an opportunity for them to uh you know sort of say well we got our win and now we're into the season and here we go other than that I, I mean it it would it would say a lot. It would speak volumes if the Bills were not able to beat Washington when they're at home in front of Bills Mafia. It would say a lot about that. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.